This is K.M. Wyland, and you are listening to the 429th episode of the Helping Writers Become Authors podcast. I've stopped writing this week in order to do what should be my final 50-page edit on my Portal Fantasy sequel work-in-progress Dreambreaker. I was kind of hoping to plow ahead into the third act without breaking momentum for this last edit, but I was just starting to get that feeling I get when I'm kind of lost within the bigger picture of the story. I start feeling out of touch with everything written before, and I start feeling uncertain about how organically I'm processing the character's interchange. So I've stopped for this last edit. The one bad thing about this technique is that it does interrupt some of the momentum I gain in actually writing the first draft. But I get so many benefits back in return by reorienting myself in the story. So it's almost always worth it. Plus, it's always fun to go back and read the thing. At this point in its existence, the story is still fresh enough that I don't always remember everything I've written. So it's an adventure for me as a reader rather than a routine editing of something I'm already super familiar with. Anyway, as soon as I finish this, it's full steam ahead into the third act. And now I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast, The Do's and Don'ts of Storytelling According to Marvel, Part 18, How the Truth Your Character Believes defines theme. The best stories always rest upon the foundation of believable character change and thematic depth. In turn, these two vital elements pivot upon the fulcrum of the lie your character believes and the truth your character believes. The truth your character believes is the transcendent theme of the entire story. It offers your protagonist the potential for positive inner growth and, by extension, the understanding and ability to conquer plot goals and end the overarching conflict with the antagonistic force. The protagonist's ultimate relationship to the truth and the specific lie that keeps interfering well define the entire nature of your story. Characters who end by embracing the truth undergo positive change arcs. Those who reject the truth end up in negative change arcs. And those who successfully model the truth to a positively changing world around them portray flat arcs. In teaching about character arcs and themes, I almost always focus on the lie the character believes. This is for the simple reason that the lie is the story's most obviously catalytic piece. Without the lie, there is no story. If the character and the surrounding world already possess the truth, there is no need for change and thus no conflict. However, in linking back to posts on my website, I've been noticing the need for a cornerstone post that specifically talks about the truth your character believes and its role in the story as opposed to the lies role. I've been holding on to this podcast idea for a while, waiting for the right opportunity to share it, and that opportunity has come. Welcome to a very long overdue 18th installment of the do's and don'ts of storytelling according to Marvel. Due to a lengthy series of unfortunate events, including a horrible case of laryngitis, and then my one and only local theater closing for change of management, I missed Black Panther's historic run in theaters and had to wait to see it on VOD. In the interim, you all have been emailing me like crazy, wondering when I'd be writing about it. So I apologize for the delay and appreciate your patience and enthusiasm. 
now that I've seen it, I can report that I liked absolutely everything about this movie, except the plot. That's a big exception, and I debated whether or not to make this a don't episode about what happens to a story's structural throughline when it fails to set up the antagonistic force opposite the protagonist at every turning point in the structure. For the most part, however, I've already covered this issue in critiques of Iron Man 3 and Ant-Man. And anyway, I'd much rather focus on what works. And this does work on many levels, not least of which is theme. Optimally, of course, plot and theme work together, one seamlessly generating the other. But this movie is a prime example of how cohesive theme can generate a solid story experience, even in the face of the occasional plot stumble. But before we get into all that, here's my highlight reel of all the other goodies I enjoyed. First of all, excellent casting and characters. Marvel is always good at creating solid ensembles of likable characters who are well cast, but I thought they outdid themselves here. Every character is interesting, and for the most part original, and every casting choice from T'Challa to Eric Stevens to especially Nakia and Okoye was phenomenal. Then there's Winston Duke, Winston Duke, and Winston Duke. I gotta give extra props to Winston Duke as rival chieftain M'Baku, whose presence and charisma took over every inch of the screen in every scene he was in. He was seriously underused, and I hope he gets major screen time and development in sequels. Wakanda, in general, was a delight from start to finish. The culture was well realized without requiring a massive amount of time or info dumping to establish. In a superhero landscape filled almost entirely by familiar urban locations, Wakanda feels extremely fresh and interesting with its juxtaposition of third and first world expectations. Mythic fantasy. I am all about mythic archetypes. So in a story that could have gone in so many different directions, I was totally psyched by the deeply archetypal values and ideas that were being presented here. It's closest approximation within the Marvel Universe is Asgard, but for my money, its themes are represented much more organically and effectively here. Thor may be regal and Cap may be noble, but in T'Challa, we get the perfect blend of both. Finally, the whole vibe of the movie was delightful. It was beautiful from start to finish. The costumes, especially Nakia's, were gorgeous and imaginative. The use of color was phenomenal and the music gorgeous. Now on the flip side, aside from the plot issues, things I would have liked to have seen strengthened included the humor. The movie has its moments, such as he froze, didn't he? But I felt it could have upped its traditional Marvel-esque humor quotient a little bit more. And the fight scenes. I wasn't wowed by any of the choreography, except for Okoye's. The car chase was fun, but the hand-to-hand -hand stuff felt too familiar without any really exciting or gripping moments. Admittedly, though, it's getting harder and harder for Marvel to come up with fresh takes on the same old pow-pow stuff. Now, you've heard me say it before, a story is never just a story. Whether or not it's the author's conscious intent, a story always says something about the world. And if it's going to be a good story, i.e. one that resonates with audiences in any measure, then that message is going to have to offer at least a kernel of truth. This is why I fundamentally believe story is theme, and theme, by extension, is the most important aspect 
of the story form. To create a powerful story form, plot and theme must be joined so closely they are inextricable. The plot creates the theme and the theme creates the plot. It doesn't always work out like this and humans, being humans, are still able to gain truth even from less than perfect stories. But if you, as an author, can purposefully enter your story through the door of the thematic truth your character believes, you will have a much greater understanding of what your plot is really about and how to execute it to its maximum potential within the confines of your story's structure. So to get you started, here are the four most important principles about the truth your character believes, all of which are on display in BP. Truth number one, the truth's evolving relationship to the little lie. Now I know, I know that header totally sounds like an axiom, but I mean it in a completely literal way. The lie your character believes will usually be something very specific to her and her personal goals and challenges. But the truth is infinite. The truth will have multiple facets, some of which will be linear portals through which your character gradually advances on her way to finding the one aspect of the truth that finally and forever destroys her lie. Other aspects of the truth will be pertinent to the lie, but not directly related. These are often aspects that can be explored in subplots via related lies, believed either by the protagonist herself or by other characters in the story. The comparative size of the truth is important in avoiding confusion about the relationship of the truth to the lie. Instinctively, when we consider a premise of truth versus lie, we think of the two as essentially equals. For example, it would seem that for every lie, there is an equal and opposite truth. But this isn't necessarily so. A thematic premise can usually be boiled down to one specific element of truth, such as BP's responsibility. But within the story's exploration of that principle, there will be many ways of expressing the truth and many related thematic ideas that all contribute to the larger idea. This can get tricky. You want to create a thematic story form that is as cohesive and linear as possible, and yet truth itself is often too big to be conveniently packaged. That's where the lie comes in. The lie provides the through line that interacts with every aspect of the conflict. Destroying the lie may require many different, if related, elements of the truth. But you know you're on target as long as overcoming that lie is central to your story. The moment you branch into other lies is the moment your story has likely wandered from the path of resonance and cohesion. So what is this movie's big truth versus its specific lie? As he mourns the death of his beloved father, King T'Chaka, and prepares to become Wakanda's new leader, T'Challa starts out believing a very specific lie, that his father was the perfect king and that his ideas of leadership should be perpetuated, specifically the paramount ideal of protecting Wakanda's wealth and resources from the rest of the world. Like all convincing lies, this one presents itself as a good thing. Indeed, even viewers have no reason to initially reject T'Challa's unquestioning devotion to his noble father's ideals. On its surface, this is also a very small lie. It's a lie specific to T'Challa himself, since only he is the son of the king. Only he can carry on his father's mantle and protect his kingdom. 
And yet, as the story's progression proves, the small lie stands in opposition to the much vaster truth that responsibility requires a marriage of tradition and innovation. Taken at face value, this huge truth doesn't have much to do with T'Challa's little misconception about his father. And yet, that little lie will be the entry point to his character arc over the course of the story. Number two. In the first act, we have the truth the character resists. Because the protagonist starts out the story with an extremely limited awareness of the lie, his awareness of the truth will be even more limited. In the beginning, the character won't even know he has a false understanding of something in his world. Indeed, what he starts out with may not be so much a false ideology as a basic resistance to some aspect of the larger truth. This aspect will be the first of the smaller truths the character will encounter on his way to understanding the story's big truth. In the first act, the character will not yet have fully joined or even be aware of the main conflict. So as a result, his existence within the normal world of the lie will be largely, if not entirely, unchallenged. At this point, the necessity of the truth isn't even on his radar. He doesn't yet have any notion that what he believes isn't the truth. So in establishing the argument for the lie in this early segment of the story, you should also be setting up the initial entry truth, if only by implication. If the character believes that this, the lie, is true, then what, by implication, is the smallest iteration of the larger truth standing in opposition to this startup belief? So what is the truth T'Challa resists in the first act? T'Challa is a great example of how a positive change arc can occur even in the life of a character who is already positive. T'Challa doesn't undergo a dramatic change from a bad person to a good person. His intentions and personal values are always good. He doesn't have to learn to be a good king. He just has to learn a few things about how to be a good king. As a result, his lie isn't a monumental question of good versus evil. This makes it much subtler and in turn allows his opening truth to be much subtler. In the first act, T'Challa desires nothing more than to live up to his father's legacy. For good reasons, he clings to the age-old traditions that have protected the kingdom from outside depredations. When Nakia, the woman he loves, refuses to become his queen because she has seen too many in need just to turn a blind eye, T'Challa doesn't deny her truth so much as resist it by reiterating his father's credos that if the world found out what we truly are, what we possess, we could lose our way of life. Number three. In the second act, the truth becomes a specific antidote to the lie. Once the character fully enters the conflict in the second act, her relationship to the lie and the truth begins to evolve. Throughout the first half of the second act, she slowly begins learning about the truth until finally she reaches the moment of truth at the midpoint where she can no longer deny that truth is the truth. This is a second aspect of the truth. It is an evolution and a step up from the truth the character resists in the first act. At the midpoint, the truth becomes concrete. It is no longer just a vague idea the protagonist is resisting. 
it is a concrete ideology that makes total sense within the larger context of the conflict. But it is still not the entire truth. At the midpoint, the character will accept that the truth is true, but this doesn't mean she has entirely seen through her lie. In the second half of the second act, she is trying to balance the two. She is trying to accept the truth without sacrificing the perceived protection of her lie. The truth presented at the midpoint is, in essence, a specific antidote to her specific lie. It is not the entire truth in all its glory, but it is a pointed argument scaled down as a counterpoint to refute her personal lie. So what is the moment of truth that begins overcoming T'Challa's lie? T'Challa is shocked and horrified to learn a dark secret from his father's past. You ain't the son of a king, you're the son of a murderer. He learns T'Chaka killed his own brother to protect Wakanda's secrecy, leaving behind his orphaned and angry nephew, Eric. When Eric arrives in Wakanda, first to demand that Wakanda use its resources to punish the rest of the world, and then to challenge T'Challa for the throne, T'Challa must confront the mistaken belief at the heart of his commitment to his father's traditional ideas. This section of the story is underdeveloped since T'Challa is presumed dead and offstage for almost an entire quarter of the story, but we understand his evolution when he confronts his father on the ancestral plane and angrily insists, you were wrong, all of you were wrong, to turn your backs on the rest of the world. We let the fear of our discovery stop us from doing what is right. In realizing his father was not the perfect king he always believed, T'Challa embraces the further truth that following in T'Chaka's footsteps won't guarantee that he, in turn, will be a good king. Instead, he must begin taking responsibility for his own beliefs and actions. And number four. In the third act, we find the world's larger truth. By the time the protagonist rounds the painful reality of the third plot point into the climactic third act, he will have confronted his lie and accepted several entry iterations of the truth. What remains is for him to understand the larger truth, to claim it on a deeply internal level, and then to enact it in a way that conclusively impacts the external conflict in the climactic moment. The third act provides the largest stage for your story's largest truth. This truth will be one that directly confronts the character's initial lie, but it will also transcend the lie. This is a truth that has been co represented collectively by all the little truths found throughout the story, either literally or ironically, in the lives of the supporting characters, in the opposition of the antagonistic force, in the tone of the normal world, in the tone of the adventure world, and at least symbolically in the thing the character wants and the thing the character needs. The third act demands your character definitively prove his relationship to the story's truth. Whatever proof he offers, whether it ends up being an exception or a rejection of the truth, that is what proves your story's theme. Done well, this never comes across as a moral of the story, but rather an organic growth within the character's life that directly impacts the external plot. So what is T'Challa's larger truth? Within the external plot, T'Challa's final confrontation with Eric is about who will sit upon the throne of Wakanda. But more than that, 
It is a confrontation that will decide whose worldview will triumph. While Eric's vengeful belief that Wakanda's vast resources should be used to send vibranium weapons out to our war dogs prove worthy enough to win the fight. Or, well, T'Challa's traditional ideas that it is my responsibility to make sure our people are safe and that vibranium does not fall into the hands of a person like you find balance with his new mindset that in times of crisis, the wise build bridges while the foolish build barriers. In the end, it's not enough for T'Challa to simply reject his lie. He must embrace the broadest truth possible. In this instance, the truth is that responsibility requires more than protecting the past. It requires a proactive sharing for the future. And, of course, he does embrace it. No matter the type of story, what rings true in the end is always the truth. In a positive change arc like T'Challa's, the truth isn't just recognized or ironically referenced. It is celebrated. The protagonist triumphs because he learns to embrace a larger truth. Stay tuned. Next week, we'll talk about how Avengers Infinity War finally gave us a worthy Marvel antagonist. Thank you for listening to the Wordplay Podcast. To read a transcript of this episode, you can visit my website at helpingwritersbecomeauthors.com. And be sure to check back again next week.